welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Well, welcome to Fracture Line, everyone. Dr. Crisco is AWOL this week. It's our distinct pleasure to have Dr. Jeff Skubik uh, today. He's our guest. Jeff's a, a trauma surgeon in, in South Texas. He's going to tell us all about his, his locale and his practice. And uh, I believe he has a distinction of staffing or organizing one of the, one of the youngest uh, level one trauma centers in the United States. Is that true, Jeff? Yeah. That, yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, we just became a level one trauma center, went through the whole ACS survey and everything last summer. So summer of 2021 in June, we were surveyed. We're the first hospital ever in South Texas to attempt a level one survey. And we were successful, luckily. Thanks. And so, yes, we became the first uh, level one trauma center uh, south of San Antonio. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Were you nervous or too naive to be nervous? Oh, no, we, we, were, we were nervous for the whole year leading up to it. Yeah. Um, that was all new stuff to me. So basically made the, the orange book, the ACS orange book, our Bible. Worked super hard on it. Everybody put so many extra hours in the trauma department. We hired so many new staff and it just revamped everything here. But it, it, did, it definitely raised the level of care given at the hospital all departments improved. Then it, it, raised the, it raised the bar in South Texas. Now other hospitals around here are having to improve their care to try to keep up. That's fantastic. Exactly what it's supposed to do. That's really cool. Well, let's digress just That's a little bit and tell us how you got, tell us how you got to South Texas. What, what is your, what's your training? What's oh boy, your so my training was med school in New York, uh, residency at U of A in Arizona, and then went on to fellowship, uh, two years acute care surgery in, at the Brigham Women's Hospital in Boston um, under uh, Ali Salim and Reza Ascari. And, but throughout, throughout all those processes, whether it was, actually I started in med school, um, was working in austere environments, such as in med school, I started working in, uh, in the Andes Mountains in, in, in Ecuador. And we were operating with a, a now deceased surgeon, the late Edgar Rodas, who ran a company called Cinturandes, which was a foundation that he built a mobile operating truck and we used to do operations sometimes up to 11, 11 hours out from a city in the, in the jungles in the Andes Mountains. And I spent about five weeks with him when I was a med student. And then I went back again after I graduated before I started internship. But that, I, w I had no interest in that sort of thing before that. But that uh, cemented in me wanting to be a general surgeon and being able to do anything out there in these rural environments. And continued on when I was a resident, rotated at the Alaska Native Medical Center in Alaska. So again, similar type of environments. And when I was a fellow in Boston, I, was, I rotated in, um, in Panama with Marta Chiodetis from the Pan American Trauma Society. And so I got this reputation and desire to continue working in uh, underserved areas. And when I was finishing fellowship, the University of Texas was building a brand new medical school here. Um, in South Texas and they were going to be opening a brand new medical school they had just opened a residency and everything was starting and it was kind of pitched to me as well you can continue to work in underserved areas and help build something new and you don't have to leave leave your family behind because I was looking at all the jobs I was interviewing at, I was specifically looking at places for that would let me leave for three months a year and go work in Latin America or wherever. And at the Brigham, there was programs like that. 
Dr. Riviello there, Rob Riviello was always going back and forth from Rwanda, and so I was looking for a similar position. And this position was like, well, you can live here, and it's, you know, it's not quite the United States, it's not quite Mexico, it's kind of like the land between. And so that's what we, that's how I got pulled down here to the border region, and we've been here uh, ever since. That's very cool. Being from Brigham and Women's, I'm guessing you're uh, um, familiar with uh, Dr. Paul Farmer and um, his work. I was yeah. sad to sad to hear of his passing this week, but it sounds like you're your kindred spirits in in terms of the the tremendous work that you've done in in austere environments. Very sad and um, a tremendous individual. I had the luxury of meeting with him um, wow, when he was cool. there and. He actually started a, a, there's a whole building there called uh, the Paul Farmer Global Surgery Fellowship. And there's a, there's, a re, there's a part of the Harvard called the Program for Global Surgery and Social Change, or maybe it's Program for Social Change and Global Surgery. I think it's that way. I was, able, I was fortunate enough to be able to be involved with that, that, uh, that program, which is very impressive. They have, they have fellows in something like 60 countries or so forth, and that was all set up by Dr. Farmer. Um, so that's what that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to go to the Brigham as a fellow was specifically to be involved with those kinds of things so it kind of prepared me well for my position here as well as uh, growing up where I grew up in Patterson New Jersey I was fortunate enough to become fluent in Spanish so that's when I working in South America all those things came together that my position here uh, we're about 86 percent Spanish-speaking population here so now things have kind of all come together and it's kind of worked out for me here that's very cool. You must not mind packing and moving, given that you went from New York to Tucson, back to Boston, now back to back to Texas. You you uh, apparently really good at road tripping. Yeah, I guess, and I that that's uh, I guess that's prepared me well for the conferences now with all these conferences that attending physicians have to go to. I'm always I feel like I'm always traveling. But I don't think we're going to move for a while because I only know this because my wife tells me this every week that she has now moved 36 times oh and she's been moving for a while. Wow. I bet that poor woman has done her her share of packing or 10 people's share of packing. So That's I hear that you're um, having a, uh, um, a, a meeting um, in South Texas coming up soon. Um, I hear a, the keynote speaker is Dr. Thomas White. Is, is that correct? Is Dr. White yeah. presenting? Um, they haven't had it down here in a few years due to COVID, but this year, April 22nd and 23rd, we are going to be having a uh, South Texas uh, Trauma Symposium, and it's going to be held on South Padre Island, which is a, a beautiful setting, and uh, Dr. White is one of the speakers that we're fortunate enough to bring down. Well, um, He's kind of a loose cannon. You're going to you know, you're gonna have to stand yeah. real close and, and make sure that... <laughs> You know, he, he Good. We need somebody to clean things up down here. <laughs> you review his, review his slides, That's right. please. Keep a close watch on those slides. But I would like to ask you, Jeff, about your, your um, uh, chest wall injury endeavors down there in South Texas. Uh, it's my understanding that you, nobody was really doing that until you arrived, and you've, you're starting a program, and you've, you've enjoyed some success with that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Boy, that's been a big undertaking and a big lear learning curve as well. It feels like everything we do down here is from scratch, you know. I came down here 2018 and first patient we got was a gentleman who had been uh, crushed between two bulls and his entire thoracic cage was just crumpled. Dos toros. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, bulls have a lot of energy to transfer. Oh. And so this poor guy, um, 
nobody here did that did that kind of surgery nobody knew how to do it I had had a small amount of exposure in my own training but you know especially as a new attending you usually don't want to take on big big in, endeavors without having a, a good backup you know I'm lucky to have really good uh, mentors here where I'm at like uh, Rick Martinez who's fantastic vascular and trauma and general surgeon and he didn't have experience with this either but we didn't have much of a choice you know other than the only other option would have been trying to send him out to San Antonio I guess I don't remember I don't remember if that at, at the time whether we discussed that or not but we wound up deciding to go for it and so with a lot of reviewing videos and literature and whatever we could get our hands on we decided to reconstruct that gentleman it took us two days and uh, he was out of the hospital in a couple weeks and back on the ranch in a little over a month. I think he was 50, I think he was 54 years old at the time. And that was the very first case. It was kind of a, it was kind of a big leap to take because well, we didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, he couldn't really live in the condition he was in with severe deformities like that. He was just on the ventilator and there's no way to make any progress. So that's kind of how we got started. And then after that, we said, well, if we can fix that guy, we can probably take more of these cases and so little by little as they as they started to come in we would fix them and now that was probably 2019 we started to build momentum we started to fix more of them and probably 2019 to 2020 um, also when the non-flail trial came out somewhere in that time period and so that pushed me even more to say well shoot maybe there's some more of these patients that can benefit from reconstruction and rib plating rather than only the flails maybe we can do the patients that have severe rib fractures and displaced ones and, and they'll have good outcomes too so we started to expand our our patients you know the patients that we fixed as well and we once again had good outcomes what we noticed is we were able to get them out of the hospital so fast as compared to previously they you know they put them on the in the ICU and then from there to the floor with a PCA and all the trimodal therapy and all the all the pain medications but they still linger around a long time and the other thing that I noticed on a personal level was even if you get them out of the hospital so the hospital feels satisfied about it you have to keep following them in clinic for months sometimes six months they just keep coming back and asking for narcotic refills and I would have them on narcotics for so long by the end of it they were addicted to, to opioids so what we notice is when we when we plate patients that fall into the inclusion criteria for the non-flail trial, what we notice is that, man, we get them out of the hospital fast and they stop coming back to clinic a lot sooner. Maybe they come and get maybe, maybe one refill on their medications two or three weeks later and then that's it. And then they, they just get back to work and they get back to being a member of society so much faster. And so now we're to the point where, depends on the week, you know, it's interesting. Some weeks we'll have three a week here and then some weeks I'll have none. And it just varies with trauma based on what's going on with the weather and so forth. But I don't, I don't know if anybody else is fixing them down here. I've, I've heard there's one other hospital that has said done like one of their two cases. But I'd have to sit here and count it, but we've probably done 50 to 100. That's so fantastic. Having, having good outcomes so far, yep. knock on wood. Yeah, that's fantastic, Jeff. I'm really, really proud of you for doing that. It's clear that you're a, a guy that likes to, uh, you know, push the envelope a little bit and, and step out of your comfort zone, having, you know, described all your experiences in the third world and such. So that's really, that's really terrific. 
So how did you find out about CWIS? Boy, how did I find out? You know, I... We're a premier institution, I, Dr. I think it was probably... Oh, yeah, I, I mean, who doesn't know about us? Come on. <laughs> I think it was probably after that first case, either that case or shortly after, I, it was probably one of the residents actually mentioned it to me. Probably back in 20... That was probably 2018 or early 2019. Somebody said, hey, you know, there's a, there's a society for this. And I looked it up and I said, oh, wow. So after we did a few more cases, I said, oh, I better, I should probably join this. It sounds interesting. So I did. I, I'm going to my first meeting this year, yes. which I'm excited about. I've always wanted to go to it, but something always comes up and I always wind up pushing it for something else. But this year, Dr. White invited me. And I said, no, I'm going. So I'm excited. Well, we're super excited to, to have you as big one man. of our discussants no. and, and excited that all of our listeners will be able to uh, come meet you in person. And, and I'm sure you have photos of the the bull crush the actual bull crush that started it all so you can uh show your famous moment that'll be fun give us give us the details on your meeting again the, the website the name of the conference uh the, the sorts of things people would need to know if they want to come um it's going to be through down here what's called uh track v so they would search for trac-v uh symposium it's april 22nd and 23rd I actually don't know if we have a specific website to promote it, sadly. Now that you say that, we probably should. But like you said, everything we do down here is kind of in its infancy, and we're trying to grow everything, so we have much to learn. And it's going to be on South Padre Island, so April 22nd to 23rd, South Padre Island. Uh, we actually have several nationally renowned speakers, not just uh, local guys like me there. And it's in beautiful South Padre Island, which for those of you who don't know, it is a tropical island just off the border of Texas, right on the border with Mexico, and it belongs to Texas. So it's this beautiful tropical island that belongs to the United States. Not a lot of people know about it, and it's right next to SpaceX with Elon Musk. And when they launch the, when they do the rocket launches, if people that live or are staying on the island can actually watch the rocket launches from the beach, because he does them over the water, over the Gulf. Well, that's that's cool. fantastic. And when you guys, when you when you come down there, Doctor White, you'll probably be able to. When you take the ride that takes you over the bridge to the island, if you look to your to the southbound side, to the right-hand side, you'll, and look in the distance, if it's a clear day, you will be able to see the, the launch pads for SpaceX. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, Jeff, I have Jennifer Jennifer's e uh, email here, and if so if they wanted to contact Jennifer Volsey, V-O-L-C-Y, she, uh, she could get them all set up, it sounds like. I, I didn't find a, a web address. But her, her email is j.volcy, V-O-L-C-Y, at dhr-rgv.com. Correct. I hope, I, hope, uh, I hope at least a few listeners out there decide to come down to uh, South Texas and check out the scene. The landscape is changing rapidly. It's no longer just a border zone, but SpaceX is there. Student's going to be Starbase City. Um, we have about 1.5 to 2 million people, urban population, along this side of the river. So... Great. Sounds like a fantastic Sounds venue beautiful. for a future summit meeting to me. There you go. There well, you so, have. Sarah, do you have some uh, updates for us this week? Um, I do have updates. If you missed case review this week, you missed a great time. Go ahead and check it out on the website because it was it was a really terrific one. On March 9th, so a week, let's see, two weeks from yesterday, um, we have Journal Club 
Um, and it is being led by our team in Rotterdam from Erasmus Medical Center. They are they recently published a paper and you won't want to miss it. So sign up for Journal Club. Um, emails are coming out. Watch for your newsletter. If you haven't yet signed up for the summit, now is the time. I will say I I have oh goodness dozens of people who email me and they're like yeah I'll get it done but in the meantime I have this little internal voice inside that's panicking of like oh no oh no so although we have great registration numbers we'd like some more so if you haven't done it yet go ahead and get registered that'd be fantastic the other thing I wanted to highlight about the summit is um, our keynote speaker we have um, Dr. Mike Truett who is also from from Texas well wrapping it up uh, final stitch, gentlemen. Do you want to do you want to show Dr. Skubik how it's done? Sure, I have a final stitch. I uh, I've been thinking about our good friend and colleague John Edwards' correspondence with him in the last few days, and he apparently developed COVID and uh, is recovering at home, but he got pretty sick. And uh, it's just a it just seems so ironic that many of us, Jeff, you included, uh, just recently recovered from COVID, and you know we we battled and stayed away from it for two years, and then you know even even vaccinated and and taking precautions, it, it still uh, still nailed some of us. And so I thoughts out to John. John, speedy recovery, and we're, we're looking forward to seeing you in April. Well, there are two that I want to talk about. One of them is just the current situation in the world. It's a little scary. Um, hopefully, uh, everyone who can get out of Ukraine is getting out, and uh, whatever happens ends quickly and, um, and with very little loss of life. And uh, we can go back to our, our normal lives as soon as possible. Um, just uh, it's really it's really sad to hear what's, what's going on. We have friends who are are native Ukrainians and uh, they have family there, and just just it's really it's, it's really it's really dreadful, exactly. And you know, this, another final stitch is to my wife, Allison. Um, we just lost our um, my my mother-in-law. Her mother passed away two days ago, and so um, this is just a reach out to my wife. I love you, and uh, um, we're getting through this. Um, she was. In her mid 90s, she was a uh, she had a very long and, and good life, um, but still, it's very you know it's always always a little distressing um, when you lose your when you lose your your mother. And so my wife now is an orphan, you know she's lost both her parents, and so it's just uh, um, just want to support her. Yeah, I'm I'm Tom, I'm, I'm Tom White today. Yeah, so it's okay. No, that's, <laughs> usually he's he's the downer final stitch, but I'm so sorry for your loss. Please please pass our condolences on to Allison and give her a big squeeze for us. Thanks. Sam. We'll do. We'll look forward to seeing her in April and doing it ourselves. Um, yep. Well, my final stitch is a little bit happier. I just wanted to um, brag a little bit about my alma mater. Um, the University of Utah had 35 athletes compete in the recent uh, Olympics, which happens to be the greatest of any university. Thank you very much. Nine of them specifically from the David Eccles School of Business. So as a proud U of U grad and an Eccles, uh, specifically an Eccles grad. I just gotta give a shout out for uh, for my youths. Way to go, youths. Dr. Skubik, what's uh, on your mind today? Just, just grateful uh, to get a chance to, to speak with you guys. I, th I think uh, Chestwell Injury Society is a great society. I'm happy to be part of it. You guys have already helped me whether you realize it or not. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to our symposium down here in South Texas. Uh, April 22nd to 23rd and also looking forward the very following weekend to see all of you at the chest wall injury summit I know you're gonna have like a red leather end of, of April 
I don't know if anything will be able to, you know, your May better be pretty amazing to top that. Better start working on your taxes now so you don't put them off to the last oh, day. That's right. Talk about a downer. <laughs> right. See, he is. He's always the downer of final stitches. I'm going to out Crisco because he's not here. So for those who may be feeling sorry, he missed the um, fracture line recording. He's really busy heli skiing. So nobody feels sorry for you, Dr. Crisco, especially not me, just so you'll know. Love you. All right. Hey, Jeff, it was a pleasure. Thanks, man. It was great to see you. Good to see you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon. See you in April. Bye, dear.